Welcome to the Rough Road Podcast. I'm your host, Lee Steele. Today, I have Amy Tenza as my guest. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself today? Hi, I'm Amy. Um, I grew up in Michigan and uh, spent some time living in the Bay Area of California after college, and I'm now living in Chandler, Arizona. I'm in software development at an internet company, and um, I am a mom of a six-year-old, um, a little girl, <laughs> and uh, um, that's that's about it, I guess. Okay, cool. So, uh, from what I understand, we're going to be talking about um, fertility today. Yes, yes. And, and the issues thereof. Yeah, um, I mean, I've always wanted to be a mom. I mean, growing up... Um, you know, I, even just as a little kid, I always wanted, I knew that's what I wanted to be. It was a mom growing up more than anything. Um, so then, you know, lived the normal life, graduated college, got job, got married, all that good stuff. And, um, we started to try to have kids, um, a little older than probably some other folks, but totally on the normal age, I was probably mid twenties, I'd say mid to upper twenties. And we started trying to have kids and, some of our other friends were having kids at the same time, and it was super exciting to think, oh, gosh, we're all trying to have kids together. Won't that be so cool? We'll be pregnant together. We'll have small kids. We'll raise them together. And our friends started to get pregnant, and we didn't. And we watched them have their kids, and we didn't. And it started to become like this cycle where you start stressing out, and you start reading the Internet. Don't read the Internet, by the way. Um, it never goes well. But... You know, you start reading that, and you start thinking about all the advice there, and you start trying that, and you start stressing out even more about it. And after a couple of years of this cycle of trying and failing and trying and failing, um, we went to a doctor and were diagnosed with infertility. This is something that, while there are those who um, might be infertile and never know, or maybe have a harder time. There is actually a diagnosis. It is a disease. There are medical conditions that cause you to be either completely incapable of having children, or maybe it's just much harder for you to have children, or maybe you can get pregnant, but you can't carry healthy babies to term. There's a lot of varieties and flavors of infertility out there, and everyone kind of has their own challenges. And it's not as easy as people think. I mean, we used to joke we spent our you know, teenage years trying to not get pregnant and our adult years trying to get pregnant. Right. And so when we got that diagnosis of infertility, it was honestly a little bit relieving at first because it's like, okay, there's an answer. And now, there's a reason, right? Yeah, now there's a reason, and I've got a doctor to help me instead of being on my own. But it's certainly intimidating because they start talking about all the different um, treatment plans, and they're, they're scary. Um, so I got a question. Was yeah. it infertility on both parts or you or him? Or it, was, what was the- it was initially his infertility. And that's something that a lot of folks don't even, I mean, this is why nobody really talks about infertility. It's embarrassing, especially I think guys have that stigma of, you know, being the man and getting your woman pregnant. Um, but even for both parties, it can be embarrassing that your body doesn't work. It can be demasculinating. It, it's emotional. You don't like to talk about it. And this is why it's such a private issue. Right. Um, a lot of couples suffer and hardly anybody talks about it. So when the doctor diagnosed us, it, it was pretty obvious in our situation that um, some of the 
uh, treatment plans weren't going to be available to us that were a little less invasive. Um, and we needed to go straight to in vitro fertilization. And what that means is they take the sperm out of the guy, they take the <laughs> eggs out of the female, and they put them together in a Petri dish and let them grow into babies. Um, and then once you have an actual embryo develop from that, they put them back in the mom's uh, uterus and hope that they stick. Um, right. So that's that's what in vitro fertilization means. And I think a lot of people get that at a really high level. But what it actually really means is even more, more tests. Um, and then once you're ready to start, the first thing that you got to do is start dealing with medications. Um, I was giving myself about three shots a night in my stomach every night for about two weeks. The medications you're taking change every night, so you're having to be super paranoid about making sure you're doing the right ones. Some of them are refrigerated. you got to take them out 30 minutes early. It's painful, um, and it's stressful. You don't want to get it wrong. Some of them you have to take it literally at the exact right time, or you have scratched that entire month, and you got to try again next month. And the whole part of that initial round of medications that you're taking is to help your body not just produce maybe the one egg that it normally would, but you want it to produce a lot. The goal is 15 to 20 eggs um, because they want to be able to have the best chances of making a couple embryos because every step in the process, you lose a couple of them. They just don't develop just normal, natural um, part of the process. So you need a lot. Um, and in addition to these shots you're giving yourself every night, every morning you're driving to the doctor's office and getting a blood draw so that they can test and see where you are in the process and in the cycle, what your hormone levels are at. And so it's just stressful because I'm working, you know, so I'm going home at night, giving myself the shots at the right times, going to bed, waking up in the morning, blood draws, go to work, pretend everything's totally normal and I'm not trying to have a baby and I'm not crazy and hormonal and crying over crazy stuff just because the hormones and the bloating and all this stuff, you're pretending everything's normal. Um, And then when they get the blood test result that your hormones are at the right level, you only have maybe two days notice that you're now going into surgery. And so now, all of a sudden, you have to deal with the stress of, okay, i got to tell my boss I can't be at work, but I only can give him a few days notice. I don't really want to tell him why, because, you know, you don't want to tell your boss you're trying to have a baby. It's, It's also a bit sticky for work, too. Right. And so, you know, you kind of... I know some folks will be like, oh, I got sick or whatever. You know, you come up with your excuses, uh, but you end up not um, being able to be at work. You go into surgery. It's an official surgery. They put you, you know, literally to sleep. You're under Are they cutting you open or is it, is they it don't, not that type of surgery? It's, it's a different. Okay. Yes. <laughs> There's right. no cutting open of things. We don't want to be super things. graphic, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't. Yeah, we'll keep this yeah. Let's <laughs> PG. Let's keep it as PG as possible. Correct. Right. But um, no, they don't. You you are under anesthesia. You get the IV and they wheel you into surgery. And, and then implant the- they take them. This is the first part. So they're taking the eggs out. Oh, gotcha. Um, okay. And that part of the process is actually quite painful. Um, you're, you, even though you're under? Even though you're under. Well, you can't feel while you're asleep, of course. Um, but when you come out, But when you come out painful. of it, it's painful. Um, and you're, you're, you're in recovery room for about an hour. 
Um, and then they send you home. You can't drive, of course, but they send you home and you're on bed rest. Wouldn't that be a ride if you could? Yeah. <laughs> that would be a terrible idea. <laughs> I mean, I've got the you know the seat reclined as much as possible. <laughs> right. You know, I'm all oh, don't hit any bumps on the drive home. You know, it's right. it's painful. You get home and you're you're pretty much crashed out on the couch. It's painful for a couple of days. And it seemed every time I went through that, I always forgot how painful it was and expected I'd be able to work the next day and I couldn't walk. So um, it was like, it was like a minimum of two days off then. It was a couple of days off. Yeah. I would say ideally you want three days off. Um, of I'm lucky I could three. work from home um, mm-hmm. and minimize the impact to work, but not everybody has that option. And especially if you're in a job that's more, physically labor intensive i've got a desk job i mean it's not super hard to sit at a desk it was just hard to walk to the desk right but if you've got something more walking or lifting then you're gonna be out for probably a little less than a week i'd say did they did they limit like with some surgeries they say oh you can't lift you know this much weight after it did they have stipulations there wasn't a lot of that it's more just a how do you feel there are some risks um because of all those medications they've got your your uterus very bloated from from the eggs that um there is some risk after they've removed them that you can have what's called uterine torsion where basically your uterus twists in and on itself Mm -hmm. and can cause even further infertility problems and further pain um but they kind of just tell you listen to your body if it hurts, right. slow Don't down, do right. take a couple of days, and just just be patient with yourself and listen. Um, so, how many did you? How many times did you have to go through this? Procedure? I went through that particular procedure of the egg retrieval part just twice. Um, I was very lucky; each time was around sixteen eggs were retrieved. So that part went pretty. I mean, other than you know, it sucks doing shots all the time right. and and dealing with that sucks, but the the retrieval process was pretty successful for me um then you wait uh exactly five days um they are waiting for um those embryos to start to develop while i'm in the egg retrieval process my partner my husband at the time he's off donating his sperm (laughs) to you know to the labs as well which you know is hard for him as well he's worried about me being in surgery while he's off having to do something else that stress doesn't help right um and you know they they combine them in the dish and uh create those embryos and five days later they you know they tell you how many turn into an actual embryo and then how many survive for five days and at the end of those five and during that time i'm on now different medications because now instead of prepping my body for eggs we are now trying to prep my body to be as healthy as possible of a uterine lining for those embryos to stick so they're prepping you for an incubator basically they basically yes <laughs> there are times you feel a bit like a lab rat or right. you know <laughs> but various I, farm they're animals doing, right? They're, right yeah <laughs> they're prepping your body to be an incubator for these eggs they're gonna they're gonna they are essentially they are and these are where you hear those stories of um individuals who uh, implant a large number of embryos and have a large number of children the in vitro process can create a very slightly higher statistical um 
possibility of multiples. Right. But there are a lot of pretty strict medical guidelines about what the right number is. Putting If you're putting in eight embryos, guess what? You could have 16 children. This is a terrible idea. It is right. incredibly high risk. So for most individuals, they're recommending only one, maybe two embryos, depending on your situation. Um, two embryos, technically you could have four or five kids, right? Depending if they start splitting. Right. But the odds of that is incredibly small. So they're looking at your specifics and your statistics on what's the, their ultimate goal is to give you one baby, not two, not three, not eight, 10, 12. Um, because Don't even twins is risky. Don't typically put in more than one at a time though, because, because typically you can have one of them not take. That is possible. They still usually, depending on your situation, will recommend one um, because if it doesn't stick, then you can always do another transfer and another transfer. That part is a little less um, intrusive medically. Um, you're awake for the whole thing. You wheel in and it feels a lot more similar to a typical female exam. Um, it was... A fascinating process actually it was the weirdest thing the first time I went through it I was a bit awestruck sounds e- horrific to me the, the, the retrieval was the hard part the second part is more um, it, it was kind of neat like I got a picture of this embryo under a microscope at five days old nobody else that has cool. that and I have that it's that so cool. cool I have a picture of my daughter under a microscope at five days old most people don't know they're pregnant at five days old right. I wasn't yet but um we they recommended te- you weren't technically but you were I wasn't technically but that's the <laughs> fascinating part about it at that part of the process I had um I, I had um Two embryos were all that survived at that time. And they recommended one embryo be implanted. And we said, well, I kind of want twins. And the doctor said, I don't want you to have twins. Um, But the odds of twins and triplets and quadruplets were so minor for us that he said, I'm okay with two, but certainly no more. Um, And so we did. We implanted two of them. And the cool thing is you get that picture, you get wheeled in. And I could watch on the ultrasound I, I, you can't see these embryos are microscopic. It, it's they, they put them in a little saline in a syringe, um, and basically syringe them into you. And we were watching on the microscope, and you see these two microscopic tiny white dots get flushed into your uterus. And they're actually trying to even aim them for the part in your uterine wall that might be the most amenable. Um, and then you just wait for that pregnancy test and hope for the best. And this is where the part gets a little interesting because however many embryos you've got, I mean, I've been through overall, I've, I've done, even after my daughter, I've gone through more in vitro rounds. So I've had six surgeries and eight embryos and um, I've had four that ended up not sticking and I've had one that did get pregnant and turned into a miscarriage later. And I've got my daughter out of it. So I've kind of been through the full gamut. But with every single one of those embryos, there's an attachment because it is a baby. It's I know there's you could get into religious discussions around all this and medical discussions. But when you're the mom and you're struggling with infertility, they're your babies because they are 
representative of the hope of a baby someday. Right. You do view that as someday I hope that that goes into me and turns into that life. Right. And so every single one of them, there isn't, no, I don't have them named. I'm not at that level. But right. there is an emotional attachment that the, every single one of those, even if they don't turn into a viable pregnancy, there was that moment you know they're in you and they're hoping that they stick. And so it's it's still a loss, even if it's just a failed pregnancy test. And right. even before in vitro, every month, it's just a loss because you're spending that time hoping. And I think that's the hardest part with infertility. Sorry, this is where right. it gets sad, right? Is that every month you have to pick yourself up off the ground and hope. And then every month when you get that loss, just even the loss of your hope, the, oh gosh, I'm not pregnant. It's, it's just sad. You have to mourn that as the loss of that hope of a life. Right. And it it's, you know, not to negate anybody else's losses. They're all different in different ways. But it is that. It is the best way to explain the emotions of someone through infertility is right. you literally every month deal with a loss. And I, I it feels anyone, very similar. Right. I, I think anyone that has tried to have kids um, deals with a loss like that anytime when they're, actively trying to have kids and then they don't get pregnant that first month or the second month they deal with a a similar feeling um yeah now it's not exactly the same but it's a similar i think it's a similar feeling of loss or it is it's comparable yeah you know we tried and it just didn't work yes it is because in your head you're visualizing Right. a baby and what your life would be like right. and you're with a baby you're, and you're wanting it. And right. so while it may not even it's necessarily a be a, a viable right. person, it's still something you have in your head a picture of. You've got that right. picture of what your baby might look like. And, you know, you watch the kids trick-or-treating and that's those hard parts. You see everybody else with their kids and you don't right. have that. And so you're mourning that. You you see, oh gosh, I don't get to do that Halloween dreams, costume right? or it's, Christmas. It's or, the dreams that you have for your kids, that you, your, your kids that you're visualizing or or um, hoping for. Yeah. You know, it's, it's those those dreams that, oh man, you know, I'm going to have this daughter and man, we're going to, you know, when yeah. she gets older, we're, you know, you do, you dream, <laughs> you dream a lot and, and you get to a point where you try to protect yourself and you don't even dream. Right. Um, but how do you because do it hurts, hard, but right? you can't, I'm not, I mean, everyone's different, I suppose, right. but I'm definitely somebody who has to, in order to just even get through all the medical stuff, you have to have right. some level of hope or you're not even going to do it. Right. Um, I'm not trying to minimize what yeah. what you're saying. I'm just <laughs> I'm just saying that I think that uh, anyone that's ever tried to have kids and you know there's those people that just walk by each other and get, get pregnant. I know. <laughs> um, and then there's people that you know it takes it takes it a takes few months time usually. Yes. Um, you know and and so I think I think those people that fall into that category can understand that that hurt or that yeah. disappointment. Yeah, um, and I think it just, the longer you suffer, I mean, I've got, right. at this point, friends who struggled for 10 years. It, I don't right. even know how they continued for that long emotionally. A lot of folks even just have to give up because you can't emotionally continue to put yourself out there. Eventually you have to say, right. this is not healthy for me, and I need to move on and accept that that's the life I have as much as it's not the life I want. But you can't, I mean, gosh, suffering through Mother's Day. Yeah, I have my own mother, but... 
I want to be a mom and suffering right. through that. Or I had, there were Halloweens I just had to turn off the lights because I couldn't see all those darn cute kids um, <laughs> because I wanted one, right? right. Um, and, and I know when my best friend and I were trying to get pregnant at the same time and it happened for them before they even really tried. Um, and here I was years later, you know, they've got two kids before, I, you know, so and you I were remember one of those her, people that turned your lights off at Halloween that I, I banged did. on the door. I did. This is why now you need to know maybe the they just can't. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I should probably apologize to those people that I was banging on the door <laughs> when I was a kid or they're crabby old ladies. I don't know. <laughs> one of the two. <laughs> but I, you know, I distinctly recall those, you have those moments and even now having my daughter, those moments stick with you. And I remember being right. pregnant and having my daughter and being so grateful and appreciative and yet those negative feelings they they don't all of them don't get healed even so they still haunt you to this day they haunt you they really do i have you know sometimes it feels like that jealousy at those people who have it easy and they can't relate and i think that's why i speak out a lot is to help people understand um, whether you're going through it you're not alone because everyone feels very alone when they go through this kind of stuff but even there's a lot of folks who maybe aren't touched by it or don't realize how much it's happening around them, or maybe they it's not and they don't know. But you get a lot of comments that end up being more hurtful, like right. the "Oh, I had a friend that you know." Never start something with "I had a friend that," right? <laughs> but <laughs> I had a friend that when they stopped trying, they went on a vacation and stopped trying, and they got pregnant. I'm like, well, you know, good for them, but that doesn't help me. Like, you think right. I haven't tried the not. Right. Um, it's a. It's like saying try to not have cancer. That'll cure it. It's. It's a medical disease. You can't just cure right. it. And if you in your two seconds had come up with a solution that my doctor hasn't, I would be really amazed. Right. So it's something to be aware of when we talk to anybody with any medical issues and challenges. It, you know your your offers of assistance with advice we don't know and what's better is to be like gosh you know you want to talk about it i you know really we need emotional support more than a medical solution from our friends right um because that's the harder part and the more isolating parts of it right i totally understand where you're coming from yeah it it happens constantly (laughs) it happens (laughs) i know our friends mean so well they want so much to help and fix it and solve it well they come from a place of love right they do that's what I found, um, <clears throat> you know, in my situation. I don't know. I don't know if you know my situation much. I don't know if if Matt's told you my situation. I've heard a little bit, yeah. Um, so I struggle with PTSD and yeah, and and all that. And so, you know, I I had a lot of issues with people wanting to give me advice and and you know coming from a different situation and it doesn't always it can't always correlate yeah and and so i had a really hard time with that but um i always had a hard time with it because it didn't correlate with what i was dealing with and so but i but looking back on it now i i just have to realize from now looking back on it now that i'm better than i was (laughs) i'm not in that (laughs) bad place anymore right um that you know the people that this advice was coming from were people that cared about me and they yeah you know it was coming from a place of love and so yeah i know they're trying to help they want to fix it right they want to help you feel better right so yeah and that's what i that's what i kind of have to look at now is you know these people that are giving this advice they they want to help 
us, me, feel better. Yeah. And so it's coming from a place of love. Now, the delivery might not be the best. Yeah. And I think in the moment when you're going through those struggles, it only hurts more because it's right. implying that you're not doing something right or that, right. you know, that, that they can fix it so quickly. Um, and it kind of minimizes it, the issue was, you're going through. It's it like, if that, it was that easy. Yeah, if it was that easy, then <laughs> I'm sure Then I'd done, have right? 20 kids by now, right? right? But yeah, exactly. And it's it's more wanting to get that out there, right? If you know somebody's struggling with anything, it's not just right. infertility, but any of those things. It's we, exactly. It's just with, being emotionally there to listen, right. ask more than tell, I think helps a lot, right? S- hey, how can I help you? Right. right? Something that... Something that um, I always try to do now is know that they're not saying it because they're trying to be malicious. Yeah. It's just coming from love. And then another thing that I think is, you know, um, God's given us two ears and one mouth. We should listen twice as much as we talk. Right. <laughs> I have a really hard time with that. Um, that's why just, you have a podcast. No, <laughs> no. no but, but it's, it's really hard to, it's really hard to listen more than you talk. Right. Cause you, as I think as people, we want to give advice. We want to help, right? Very much. We want to help people because, at least me, I, I hate to see people hurting or you know yeah. struggling and and in a bad place. Exactly, it and bothers so, me to think. Right, there were others. There are still others who go through infertility and don't talk about it just as I used to right. not talk about it, and that's why I talk about it now. It it helps me take something that was a really hard thing, a really sad and emotional thing, and be it, what helped me heal from it was helping others, turning it into that positive to go, I can be there because right. I can empathize. I can help them not feel so alone. And all of a sudden, it's not a negative, it's a positive. Right. And, you know, I... I and empathy is different than feeling sorry for the person, right? Correct. I don't feel That's, sorry for them. I'm, I, I mean, I, everybody's got their own challenges to it. And there, are, it right. is so sad to hear of the stories where people have to say, I'm not going to have those children. I want my life is different. Or, or the, I mean, gosh, the part we haven't even touched on the cost of in vitro yeah, fertilization what, what is, is ridiculous. What? It can cost um, $20,000 for a single round. And there's no guarantee. This is cost limiting to a lot of people. I was one an incredibly few people where my insurance covered it. This wow. is very, very rare. And I am I, I joke all the time that my child really um, belongs to my company. Uh, they own her now. Um, so she better go work there. But so, uh, <laughs> Is that part of it? She has to work there when she gets home? Yeah, I think yes. so. I, she's got to pay back her medical bills, right? <laughs> Someone's got to. But, but she, you know, it's, it's rare. Mo- insurance, because infertility is not something that is a medical requirement that we have children. So on her birth certificate, does it have... <laughs> The father's name slash and then the company, name. the insurance, the yeah, <laughs> the the fertility doctor, the, right. no, but it's you know it's sad to hear that there's somebody who wants a baby and the only thing in their way is a medical bill that right. insurance. I get, I totally get why insurance doesn't cover it. It is not a medical need. You're not going to die if you don't have a child, right. and they are trying to protect their business, and that that's fair. But it's just heartbreaking when you hear that somebody wants a a child and they have a viable option for it and the only thing stopping them is I mean that's a lot $20,000 for one try that's 
that's not insignificant that can take a couple tries we were lucky we got pregnant the first time but then we went through after our first daughter went through more rounds and we're not lucky um and if it weren't for insurance i probably wouldn't have um i i don't know i don't know if i ever would have uh tried or if i i certainly wouldn't have tried as many (laughs) tries as i did right um you know we were we were really lucky um and it's changed me as a mom I mean I can't relate to somebody being a mom without infertility of course because I'm not that but I do know that they're you know I would hope everybody's very appreciative and loves their children but I know for me it's still even six years later sometimes I'll look at her and go I am so lucky the things I went through have definitely changed my perspective of motherhood and how grateful I am. And even when she's two and having a temper tantrum, I'm so grateful I get an opportunity, right. you know, to, to parent. And <clears throat> we, you know, there's a lot of folks, everybody has... Wait their, till she's a teen. Uh, yeah, she's going to be a tough one too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, everybody, um, you know, has their own perspectives on them. But it, for me, it's... Uh, some folks, when they go through infertility treatments, they don't ever tell their children. Some folks right. might use an egg donor um, and not tell their children. There's a lot of different beliefs around so are that. So you've been open with your daughter then? I have been very open with my daughter. She knows exactly how she was conceived, and I feel for me personally, I believe that that's a story I want her to hear because to me it's a reflective of how much she was wanted and how loved she was. And so, um, no, at one, we didn't exactly talk about fertility doctors. And even now, her understanding of how that all works is pretty limited. But she does know we went to a doctor to help create her. Mm -hmm. And... Um, you know, I, I used so when to she joke, has questions about it, then you'll, yeah, you'll she's met her. him. Um, you know, she knows him. That's that's the guy that puts you in my tummy. And it's funny because I used to brag about I got the easy road because you know people have to deal with the conception answer to their kids, and I got the easy road. I got to say, well, the doctor puts you in the tummy. Until I had a friend say, well, until she learns about how most children are conceived, and then she's going to think you did that with the fertility doctor. Right. <laughs> well, oh, no. <laughs> huh. Then you just show her the needle. Yeah, show her the pile of needles and the, you know, the, the <laughs> pictures and all the good stuff. But, <laughs> um, you know, it does. It's, it's something I continue to be appreciative of, and I love sharing it with her. The fact that I've wanted her for years before I ever had her is just a testament to, you right. know, my personal love for her and how much I was willing to go through f- to have her is something I definitely want her to know. Right. Um, but I can also understand the, the reticence of folks who maybe used a sperm donor or an egg donor. It gets a lot more iffy because your children now start to feel adopted right. um, in a way they are. They are partially created or maybe fully created um, from somebody else. Right. And... It doesn't know, make them any less loved, I don't think. Though. It doesn't. It doesn't. Um, and, and it's really a personal choice on how much you share with your kids, of course. Right. Um, there are those with surrogacy that also feel a bit weird about continuing that relationship afterwards. There are those who are very close to their surrogates and, right. and treat them uh, like an aunt or a, you know something along those lines, yeah. a family member, um, and honor that in their life. But everyone's different, and I also get sometimes you just want them to be yours <laughs> and, right. and and it's hard to 
include all of those parts of that story can be difficult. So you say you went through two rounds of gathering the eggs. Yes. So in my first, when I had my daughter, it was with one round of eggs. Um, and we got pretty lucky. We managed to do one process of gathering the eggs, one transfer, putting her back in and got pregnant. We were, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, pretty lucky. A lot of folks may have to go through a couple of rounds. And so that was pretty relieving. But the um, second time when we went through this, I thought, okay, I'm really prepared now. I know what to expect. The first time it's scary. You don't know. You're hearing about surgery. You don't know how painful it'll be. You don't know. Can you give yourself shots in the stomach? Um, I knew what to expect, and I wasn't scared of the shots anymore. Um, Surgery, it was scary still, but was something I could deal with. Um, the emotions are the harder part, but it's like, okay, I want a sibling for my daughter enough to try this again. And the second time was a lot harder in a different way. I mean, each one is so different. The first time there was a sense of desperation because if it didn't succeed, then I'm childless. The second time around, there was a, a bit more of some calmness in the, geez, if it doesn't work, at least I have my daughter. Um, but there were also, gosh, now I'm going through it with a, a little child around and I don't want her to know why mommy's stomach hurts because she's too young to understand. And so it was trying to hide all that from her and her not understanding when I'm on bed rest and recovering afterwards. Um, or after the transfer, they want you on bed rest for a day or two to kind of help them stick. And she can't understand why she can't jump on me and treat me as a jungle gym. So there's those challenges, right? right? Um, but That one got particularly hard when I got pregnant and you're excited and you're celebrating. And when you go through in vitro, you're actually doing pregnancy tests very frequently soon after. So you usually find out very early. Um, And got my pregnancy test result positive. There was celebration. There was happiness. And then they do another check a couple days later to make sure that the baby's growing properly. And there were some signs of concern. Um, they tested again and again, and they did a, gosh, I want to say four or five. It gets cloudy, honestly, in my memory. You kind of don't want to remember those things well. Right. But there was maybe four or five blood tests over a couple weeks um, to veri- verify the growth of the baby. And it ended up not being a viable pregnancy. And, um, you know, they got to a point where they said, this is not going to survive. The baby's not growing properly. Um, and you are going to lose this baby. And you hear that and your heart just drops. It's the, the hardest. And it's, it, then you're like, okay, now, but it's still in you and you're still having all those pregnancies sometimes and you feel pregnant and now you're like, well, okay, there's literally something dying inside me is, the, is something that is so hard to even explain the emotions around that. And they, you have to go back and continue to test until they say, okay, the, the child has passed. And then it still even takes another week where you're walking around, still going to work, pretending everything's normal. And you know that there is a child that has passed inside of you. Right. And just waiting for, for you to actually expel the baby is, is super hard. It was early enough that I did not have to go through medical procedures to do that. Um, but literally just had to wait until I started bleeding. And that, that is, um, you know, I, I hate to be graphic, but it's just so hard to watch your baby leave your body. Right. Um, and, and know that that's what it is. And 
you kind of feel like so emotional and guilty because it's early enough that you're doing this into the bathroom, which doesn't feel like the right place. Right. Um, but there's nothing more you can do about that. Um, and, and it's, there is the relief that, okay, now at least I can move on because I've been sitting here waiting for a few weeks for this to happen. And now at least I can move on and heal and grieve, um, as I need to. Uh, but it's it's just that that waiting period was was it's the worst. Tough, right? It was the worst ever. So did you did you have another round after that or no? I I, I did. Um, we waited and we did another round, um, and they did not stick. And and kind of that's when I said I, I I can't. I need to take a break for a while, and I I need to spend some time kind of rethinking if if I can. Do this anymore emotionally right um because right now this is taking my emotion and time away from enjoying the child that i do have and i don't want to miss that either and while it's very sad f- to then think gosh all of her firsts are so exciting but they're also my lasts as a mom is sad like and i think everybody even when you're done yeah. having kids everybody has those thoughts right oh yeah, this I is have, sad they just got potty trained this is the last yeah. diaper oh that's you not know, a sad that's thing. not well, a sad thing but, you know you no, get sad about thing. those moments right? right that oh gosh their first steps oh we're never gonna watch another kid learn to walk right <laughs> um right those things happen and and it was hard but i was like i'm missing out on that right now and i need to go back and spend some time and just enjoy her and and take a break from from the emotions of that and right. you know sadly we then divorced and now life is you know much more in a shift so so, so you i hope i still hope to you have still more kids. you still had so you say you took a break from it you yes. still have eggs then. i have two more embryos and well that's a whole podcast all of its own divorce is a podcast all of its own you should find <laughs> someone to talk about that um it should not be me um <laughs> But then there is also the challenges when you go through in vitro fertilization, you do need to make decisions on what to do with any remaining embryos. And it's a very personal decision for everybody based on your beliefs and religions. But gosh, even when you think you are solid in that, it's weird to think about. Don't they have something set up when you do that? Isn't there something set up that... Don't they have you felt paperwork they for that? They do. Yeah, there is pay. There's a lot of paperwork. Let me tell you that. But um, you have to make a choice. The three choices um, available today. Um, these things can always change with our laws. But at the moment, uh, they include um, donating those uh, embryos to another family who's okay. unable to have children. Um, basically, adopting them that's, out. That's basically it is what your I, baby I think and that's you're what adopting. I would pick. Yeah. Personally, that's it's the one I was passionate about in the moment because I struggled so much. I wanted to help others, but in hindsight, I think about it. It's literally adopting my children out, and that's a strange feeling too. Um, but the alternatives is you can donate the embryos to science, which means they use the embryos to practice in vitro tech technologies um to improve the sciences behind it there's a lot of genetic testing folks who maybe are carriers for Mm -hmm. diseases will often use in vitro fertilization as a means to test the embryos before they implant them to make sure that that particular embryo doesn't have genetic markers um, and that that they would be a viable pregnancy Um, so they can test but beyond that then the the embryo does not survive Um, i like that it it you know allows you to 
help in a way. You're improving the mm -hmm. sciences. But there isn't all those weird feelings of your child is literally out in the world somewhere. And the third is simply discard them. You say simply. There's a lot of religious feelings around that as well. People have their beliefs about what that means because it is a five-day-old embryo. And so to some folks, that may be distasteful as well. Um, and it's a super personal choice about where you are in those gamut. And right. honestly, all three suck. So, <laughs> right? It's, so, it's hard. So I got a question. Yes. So what, what decision did you guys make at the time? At the time, we made different decisions for both rounds. The first round, we chose to donate to science. And then the second round, those embryos, we chose to um, donate to a family. Okay. But so now what would you they do are now? stuck holding forever. I would prefer donating them to science at this point um, because it's hard for me to think I would be giving up children I would actually like to have myself. I don't technically really want these particular embryos. They are with my ex, um, and that, that would, for me, be emotionally very weird mm -hmm. and legally very sticky. But right. um, it's, it's, it's just such a hard thing to just give them away as well. But there's no guarantee they're going to actually even there is not. survive. There's not. Um, at the moment, those embryos are sitting um, with their babysitter in the freezer at the infertility clinic. Yes. Um, <laughs> we, we pay, and it's actually cheaper than real babysitters, but um, it's... Is the babysitter the Petri dish? Is yeah. That? Well, there's actually lab technicians, you know, to make sure the freezer's at the right temperature and all that good stuff, right. I'm sure. But um, ultimately, yeah, they're sitting in a freezer somewhere... Um, in staying probably right downtown Phoenix, staying the right temperature, waiting for us um, a as a divorced couple to agree on something. Which what what does <laughs> your ex want with him? He has um, strong religious convictions to donate them uh, to another family. So I get that, um, but at the moment we just have different beliefs and. This is where it gets super interesting. Laws and court, it's all such a new thing. The first in vitro baby was born in 1977, and that was just the very first. That's it's grown a born. lot. Yeah, same. I, I feel, I get this chick. But, um, you know, it's, it's crazy to think. It, it's such a new technology that laws and courts, they don't know what to do, and it changes constantly. Our policies, a lot of folks don't realize when you're voting <coughs> around all of the abortion laws, those actually even affect in vitro and what happens there because um, it, as much as you may vote against abortion, that can often affect and limit the abilities of in vitro fertilization because of those extra embryos. Something has to happen with them. And if um, those, the, the additional testing creates the risks that they may pass on or um, the discarding options, that falls under a lot of the same legal boundaries. And so there's a lot of just changes in laws constantly happening and the the even the option for in vitro fertilization is sometimes more of a viable option than others legally and that's scary to think um right. it's 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 a tough road it's really tough I'm to figure that out i'm intrigued by this it is as the, much as this and discussion I'm especially we're having right now, i'm very intrigued by <laughs> i'm I, personally um and i don't judge people for different beliefs i am personally um, I waffle, honestly, on the thought of abortion. I don't um, like it by any means, but I understand that 
folks may have their circumstances that I can't relate to. Mm -hmm. And so it's not for me to be able to make some blanket statement is where I'm at personally. But I think even if I'm against that, I certainly don't want people to lose the option to try to have a baby, even if it means it it may cause some of those initial losses. I've seen my daughter as a five-day-old microscopic You yourself can help someone have a baby right now. You have that choice right now. I do have that choice right now. I'm just not emotionally at the place to handle that. (laughs) So it's it's just that one's pending. Um, So let me ask you this. Yeah. If in vitro wasn't let me ask this then if so, if someone would they have to pay that twenty thousand dollars for those eggs they have a cost to pay um depending on how they would even handle it um they may use surrogacy which has a cost egg donor has a cost embryo has a cost they all have so price if, tags if they were, were going to get your eggs they would not be right twenty thousand dollars it much would be cheaper be? i don't know um it depends on what you go through in the states but it is not twenty thousand dollars it is a lot less a lot less. Like, give me I a, honestly, I have no a idea. Ballpark. Is I have it ten? Is it half? Is probably even less than that. Okay, so if if your insurance was not going to pay for it back in the day, yeah, and you had the option to do what yeah. you have the control of right now, yeah, would have you done that? I don't know. I think I was pretty open to any. I think means I know the possible. answer to that. I think the answer would have been yes. I was open to any means I possible. I think your answer. I was open been, to adoption. I was open to everything. Yeah, to have I my child. I think your answer would have been exactly yes. Yes. Right. It was yes, but it is harder to be on the reverse side and give up a child, and, and so I. The reason they're still but just, you just frozen. Said, you just said a couple of minutes ago that you wouldn't necessarily want those anyway because because of I don't. And so I realize it is selfish <laughs> to not donate them out there, but there's also a an emotional attachment to them. And so it's hard for me to envision that they are adopted out and raised by somebody else is still really hard for me to accept. And so I've chosen the path of do nothing until I can be at a state where I I feel do, I've finished my you, own path. Do you understand how crazy this sounds right now? <laughs> I get that all the time. Do you understand how crazy this sounds? Do you? I don't know. I I mean, you're saying I don't want them, but I don't want. But I don't want else. anybody else to have them. Oh, I totally get if that. If I can't have them, no one can. Yeah, <laughs> I do get that. Um, and I think that is a hundred percent where I'm at emotionally. I think my and I mean no is, disrespect by that. No, that's by fine. any means. I I no, just, I appreciate the candid. Um, but I think that for me, I, it's the easy way out to donate them to science and then not worry about it. But I also am you okay with saying... You just said earlier, too, that people that don't have insurance to pay for it should have an opportunity. Yes. And a way to do this. And you have that <laughs> opportunity to give, give them. Give. I get that. But there's emotions and it's behind not a gar- And it's not even a guarantee. Agreed. But there is there's those emotions behind it that I am adopting out my child. And that's really hard to let that go. You could... You could, you could get a letter from a family that says, thank you so much for making me a mom, and I wasn't going to be. But there's also the impact that I do have a daughter that mm-hmm. would have a sibling out there, and would she be able to handle it? At six years old, she can't handle the emotions that I have a sibling out there in the world that I don't get to have a relationship she would, with. She wouldn't even have to know. She may find out um, whether from her father or 
from I, like I'm not in control or when she's if we don't tell her imagine the reverse she doesn't know all of a sudden she's 18 19 20 years old and this other child seeks out their adoptive family their their birth family this happens mm-hmm. all the time with adopted children it, it could and right. if they come and find us and Ella's like what, what? <laughs> I have a sister or a brother yeah. and you never, you never told, told me, me right. right there's a level of, that could happen I could see that I I have to think about the impact right. to my daughter I have to think about you know am I at a place where I'm ready to give them up no um but do are, I hope to these... be in the future yes but I'm not there and I don't know what it'll take yeah. to get me there um so for the moment I can I understand I can understand that from that perspective, I can understand, but these are adult decisions too. They are adult decisions, but you're putting your child into you it. You don't think that she would be okay with having a sibling? She would. It's tough, right? I think that she needs to be mature enough to handle the conversation of we've donated your sibling out, um, and it's not, it's and not the her gift sibling, of though. that. I think it is. I mean, it's a hundred percent her blood sibling. It it is whether they're raised by somebody else or not. It it is, but it's not. It's it's dicier than that. Though. It is dicier, which is why it's a tricky situation, right? <laughs> and and it's it's not, it's not like it's not like mom or dad went and had an affair or anything like that, right? right? And had a sibling. It's you had fertility have, issues, right? You have these eggs. We can either destroy them or donate. We them. can donate Those are really them to the some. Only two. Yeah. We can donate them to someone who has fertility issues, right? We made the choice that we're going to let someone have an opportunity. I think at this age, she would somewhat she, get that, but I think it's a well, bit and, confusing. And when she gets older, she'll even get it even more. She will. Um, and and that's I, don't, kinda... I don't think any kid would be, would be opposed to that. I know. So my kids are, one's going to be 17, and then my youngest is 12. Right. If I came to them right now and said, hey, son or daughter no matter which I have two sons and one daughter I came to one of them and said hey look we had issues having kids which we didn't but if we did yeah and I came to them and said hey this is the issue and we had these eggs left over and we decided we were done having kids we decided to don- donate them yeah so you may have siblings other siblings out there. out there yeah they would totally understand that and I don't think they'd be upset I think at six though <clears throat> they're still pretty self-involved where you know, you just, she wants a sibling so bad. And so for me to go, well, yeah, you, you got one. They're over there and whatever that random <laughs> other state is, um, you know, cool. But you don't get one yourself. Uh, I think she would feel a sense of loss around that. Um, no, I think I understand that. part of her, when she's older and more emotionally mature, right. will totally, hopefully love that story of, hey, we had these challenges, we wanted to help others. I mm-hmm. think eventually she can get that, but emotionally when you're six, it's like, but but I want, that. that's my baby, you know? <laughs> I think that I don't know that she's ready to accept so her maybe, own loss around so may, that. So maybe you say that until she's a little older, when yes. she can understand that. Yeah, so for the moment, they sit and wait for me to emotionally be okay, for me to feel and I'm to- I don't have to protect her. I'm totally fine with, with yeah. the other option also, donating to science. I'm totally fine with that too. I just look at it from what you said earlier. Yeah. That what, what you said point. that if, if you had that option or other people that can't afford, yeah, that's another viable option. So I'm just, 
being devil's advocate. That's I appreciate all. that. <laughs> and it's it's fascinating because this is such a new thing. Divorce court has no idea what to do with any of this. Right. Um, and it changes constantly. Um, it it just is so up in the air. It's is it custody? Why don't you just are they split children? Them. Why don't you take one? And he takes one. That's they're frozen together, so they actually do need to. Um, follow the same path. You can technically thaw them, separate them, and refreeze them, but that would impact uh, their health. They may be that that may um, not go well for them. Gotcha. They may not survive that process. So it's it's not recommended. Separate him. Give him the bad one. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, I don't know that you could really. T- I mean, there are medical tests to be able to tell, but no. <laughs> Um, I'll edit that part out. <laughs> no, no, we're keeping that. <laughs> but he's the, not going to listen to this anyway. No, but the, he might. I doubt that. I'm going to tag you in it. He might. Great, thanks. <laughs> but he, you know, it's it's divorce court doesn't even know what to do. Is right. is it custody? Are we handling a custody situation? Are we handling a religious conversation, which does have a place? In Essentially, our it's got to be custody, it's, right? It, is it property because it's not a human life yet? So all of our laws around abortion and where life starts affect the divorce courts on is this five day old exactly? Nor will thing. I state my you know my thoughts on. But if the courts are currently in the belief that a five day old embryo is a life, then it is a custody issue. But if the courts are currently under the laws that it is not a life at five day old. Then and it is property. property, and then you have. And, then you got to split it. And by, <laughs> I know, right? This is true, which is funny. But and if it's a life, then they are going to. Then you got to split lean it in the direct. Well, and if it's custody and it's life, they will veer in the direction of the parent that wants to bring them to life. Then how many days do you get a week? Yeah, <laughs> with my embryos in the freezer. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I get custody this many days, right? Right. It's it's. <laughs> Just the court has no idea what to do with it. Um, They don't. And in fact, your divorce courts don't rule on it. They tend to kind of punt it and and make you go back to separate courts. I don't even know. Is it family law? Is it contract law? It's super unclear. And it changes day by day. So for the moment, we're just hoping to agree someday, (laughs) which is the best case scenario. So how long have you been divorced for? We have been divorced for, I want to say, maybe two and a half years we've been apart. So it's, you know, there's still a lot of figuring out there. So how long are you going to give it before you make a decision? I'm hoping a long time. (laughs) (laughs) There's no harm in letting them sit in the freezer until I feel good, right? Um, I have to be at that place. Eh, There is a storage cost, but it's, that part is... The, the least of the financial woes on all of this. It's, right. you know, that that is not going to break my bank. So I'm happy to continue. You'll wait him out. Yeah, we'll Maybe wait each break, other out. Maybe we'll break his bank. <laughs> that is, <laughs> I don't think this is an amount that would break anybody's bank necessarily. It's more um, who's sick of the waiting longer or who is able to shift their thoughts and beliefs on it first is where so we'll get to. You both signed an agreement when you did it that it would be donated. So how yes. you can change it anytime though. Is that how that works? Um, it's iffy. Um, 
this is where it gets into contract law potentially can you break a contract um or are you held to the contract um it's unknown because we haven't gone to court to test that theory um nor do i want to i don't want to take this to court the court's not fun i'd like to avoid it um i've had enough i've had my share of court and um i think both of us are at that point where we've had our share of fighting and at the moment there is less fighting and i think we're currently at that place neither of us wants to bring this up because it's a super hot topic and that's good. So we're both just playing the waiting game and hoping the other <laughs> one changes their mind. And maybe one of us will, right? Um, it'd be funny if we both changed our mind to the, the reverse opposite. at the exact same time, right? <laughs> That'd be funny. <laughs> hmm. So, yeah, I'm there's a, a lot. I'm a special guy because I probably would push it if it were me. Yeah, I I know initially it was, it was a hot both, topic, but we had like 100 things. You both agreed on it, right? And that was his initial stance, and it's a valid stance, and it's why the divorce court said, I don't want to touch this, it's contract dispute, take it elsewhere. Um, you have shared shared custody, which means neither of you has a legal right <laughs> to make a decision without just, the agreement of the other, is what that means for embryos, as much as we talked about it earlier. That just sounds funny, shared custody. And we <laughs> that is literally what the divorce court say, is neither of us can do anything without the... Uh, approval of both of us um we both have to sign anything right um otherwise nothing can happen um which is a good place to be given we both have opinions and thoughts on what should happen so So with the first go around did you use all those use all what all the all the embryos yes okay yeah so that never went to any science that never went to any science um if it had they would have been frozen till future attempts anyways but we only had the two embryos. We implanted both, and we've got one daughter out of them. I thought you got 16. I had 16 eggs, but, but only, only two. two survived through the end of the process. Oh, gotcha. Every step okay. of the process, the first step is just you have 16 eggs, but then, then how many of those um, are healthy? Five days. Then how many of those turn into babies? How many of those, that, right? Gotcha. And then from that, how many survived to day three? How many survived to day five? They drop off literally every step so you only had two left gotcha yeah we only had two left transferred them both and got one kiddo that makes total sense she's she's uh got the personality of two so i think (laughs) (laughs) gotcha so well that's interesting yeah there's it's funny because you never think about all these factors and when you go through in vitro fertilization you never think gosh what's going to happen to these you figure i'll have ended my family planning and you know be be ready to move on you never think it's going to end in divorce or it's going to end in this or that like you never you can't predict the future and that's where it gets really crazy is all the different factors you can't predict and that's where it gets really hard you don't know where you'll emotionally be when that time comes it's you're in a crazy emotional place when you're going through it so it's You know, it's hard to think outside of that moment and how you feel in that moment is very different than how you feel later when you're not freaking out about just getting pregnant yourself, Um, you know, and able to think more more clearly about the big pictures and, and your thoughts and feelings change so much through any challenge, right? At the beginning of your hardships, how you feel is very different than the middle and the end when you're healed and and what scars do you carry and what don't, right? It's very different. Yeah, it's it's intriguing. This whole (laughs) 
Yeah, there's this, a lot to it. You never this, think about that. This this whole egg battle is intriguing. I could talk about it for hours. I know. That's why I said I've got like three more podcasts for unf- you. Un- unfortunately, <laughs> I don't have hours to talk about just that one topic. So yes, but um, I appreciate you coming on and uh, being so open about uh, in vitro and about your struggles. I appreciate it. Yeah, I like to share Very it out good. there. You know, it's one in eight couples who think they're all alone in the world. I, I wish and hope that each of them has a support to talk to and lean on and uh, somebody who can empathize or sympathize or support or give them what they need. Well, one of those couples could get something that they need. <laughs> Thanks, Lee. <laughs> <laughs> I joke. Anyway, I appreciate you coming on. Um, yeah, happy I, to help. I like sharing and hopefully reaching in uh, somebody else, yeah. um, you know, whether it's somebody with infertility to feel a little less alone or somebody who had no idea about any of this who maybe is a little more thoughtful when they go, hey, when are you going to have kids, you know, right. to that person across the way at work or whatever yeah. um, that you never know. I've been guilty of that. We all, I think a lot of us have, and it, you don't really think about, gee, that person who maybe they're older Maybe the reason they don't have kids is because they wanted them very badly. Um, or maybe they've just seen other people with kids and are like, I don't want anything to <laughs> that. Do could that could be true. <laughs> <laughs> there are certainly they, those as well. Maybe they saw some of my kids when they were acting up and they're like, I don't want anything to do that. <laughs> that so. could very well be true. Um, you know, and I'm much more conscious now. Like, if Facebook was hard, you watch everybody and their pictures of their kids. I actually have a separate Facebook profile for my daughter, and yes, I'm that person. But it's more out of respect that I have a lot of friends who do suffer with infertility, um, and I don't want them to have to see every single update because I think my kid's the greatest thing, and I post about her constantly, but that's painful for them. And so I tend to keep them separate so that people can be friends with me and get maybe a picture once a year. Um, and that's easier to cope right. with than my constant updates for grandma and grandpa who want to know everything she ate for dinner every day. Um, you know, I can then spam the heck out of that and she can, you know, the friends right. who are friends with her, her play date friends, my mom friends, um, and want to see that can, can choose to be a part of right. that too. Um, because it's, you know, you see kids everywhere. You, you see them at, Halloween, you see them at Walmart, they're pregnant. I swear, when you go through infertility, everybody is pregnant. And so it's... Well, I look pregnant, so there's that. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm just fat, so there's just... That's what it is. Anyway. Well, thanks anyway. Thanks again for for, uh, coming on here and sharing that with me. Appreciate it. Yeah, happy to. And look forward to... uh, hear more about me in the future so, yeah we have many more podcasts right we got right. a bunch of different topics <laughs> we can tackle this egg one here once uh, you make a decision once i figure this out yeah yeah like next <laughs> week when you make the decision yeah i think you, you got a little while <laughs> i'll <laughs> let you know <laughs> all right appreciate it thank you uh thanks everyone for uh tuning in um if it's your first time listening and you listen to a doozy <laughs> and if you're a repeat offender thanks for tuning in um Look forward to next week's podcast. We'll see you. Bye.